we do want to speak today um, from, from that passage, but just more broadly about what we see God doing and where we feel uh, that we together as a community, um, now three congregations or four if you include our online congregation, whatever that, wherever that's gathered, um, where we're headed really, and, and beginning really by looking back and saying that we've been on a journey for the last few months really through Luke's gospel. And what we've seen is that Jesus arrives in Luke 4 with a, a clear message, a manifesto, a vision of the preferred future. And his vision is all about the kingdom of God. What we see, don't we, is that Jesus in Luke 4 preaches this manifesto and immediately begins to not just speak it, but to demonstrate what the manifesto looks like in practice. And that kingdom, that manifesto is all about the kingdom of God. It's about a reign, the rule and the reign of God, the reign of justice on earth as in heaven. The kingdom, if you like, is what it looks like when God takes charge. And Luke's gospel, the rest of Luke's gospel, is the answer to that. What Jesus begins in Luke 4, he cashes out throughout the gospel. That's the picture And this kingdom storyline is really the the one through line of the whole Bible. It's an old storyline. It runs from creation all the way through to Revelation where God finishes, he perfects the vision of the kingdom. We see what it looks like, a fully inaugurated, fully consummated kingdom on earth as in heaven. This kingdom is an old storyline, but yet in Jesus something new is happening. Something decisively fresh that's never been seen before. So much so that the people who are surrounded by it are so shocked that many of them miss it. It was, as our American cousins would say, a curveball. Now for some time we've been speaking, I thank you, uh, a cultural cue with no relevance to this nation. I work hard on those. We've been speaking about the idea that God is leading us as a community into something new. And we talked about it so much that hopefully we've persuaded you of it. (laughs) Perhaps even a time of renewal, a time of refreshing, as it says in Acts chapter 4, a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. One of the moments that we began to use that language for the first time was when one of our children went home from church and having had a nice Sunday lunch, went up to their bedroom and graffitied on their own bed. I think we have a picture of said graffiti. Maybe you can see that. If you can't, uh, it says, do a new thing, God, in child scrawl. Now, it was just an amazing moment when we heard that reflected from their parents. They called us because we'd been around their house and they said, look, there's your, one of your kids been graffitiing on our bedrooms. And I, we said, no. Uh, I, uh, none of our children can spell that well at this point. It's a couple of years ago now. And they interrogated their children. One of their children just said, that was me. I did that. Now, it's an amazing thing because at no stage in Trinity Kids have we been using that language. We don't know where this child got that language. We just believe that God spoke through that child and gave us a vision of something that he wanted to do, a new thing in and among us. And we've been leaning into that and saying, look, what does it mean for us to be prepared for that new thing? What kind of people do we need to become in order to receive what God wants to do? Because every time God acts afresh, it means it's, 
It's brought about by a time of preparation. And we've been speaking in the language of surrender, the language of repentance, of homecoming, of purification, of cleansing. We began this year, did we not? If you can remember as far back as the beginning of this year, it feels like a decade ago, doesn't it? We began by saying, and you can check it, it's on the tape, that we felt God was leading us to a year of holiness and prayer. And haven't we had to learn how to pray? Hasn't God pushed us deeper into holiness? And if you haven't been responding to that storyline, I don't know where you've been. So we're trusting Him for the new thing. And though the future is less certain than ever, as we look into the future, the completely unknown future, we want to bring some shape to the kind of people that we hope to become and the kind of priorities that we have in these coming days. Whatever the government say we can do, this Trinity Church is where we're leaning into. And this is what we want to say to you as the simple, as first principles for us as a community. We just want to spend a week doing this. We don't want to be self-indulgent. This doesn't need to be three, five weeks. We just want to say really simply, where are we headed? Given that God is doing a new thing among us. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Kingdom vision. A kingdom dream, Amy. Yeah, I think before we um, sort of go into some of our priorities for this season, I just wanted to share a dream um, that I had um, just a couple of weeks ago, just as we were sort of coming from our holiday in August, just trying to ask God, like, what, you know, sort of, what are you saying? And and I had this uh, very vivid dream, and I've written it down here, and I I was actually going to read it because I woke up. Oops. I knew that would happen. I know. Hang on. I felt it. I sensed it. It's a slippery piece of, uh, hang on. That's why I oh, must, the nev- suspense, must the never suspense. use paper. iPad age, darling. We're in an iPad age. And I'm just keeping it real, love. Oh, yeah. Hold on. All right. I, f- I feel the, the weight of your discipline. <laughs> um, anyway, dream. So um, I had this dream, and uh, I'm going to read it. It says, there was a, um, a massive tidal wave. And we were driving out of a city. So actually, I'm not going to read it because I can explain it better. Um, So Johnny and I were in a car um, and we were uh, driving around the city on the side of the city. And around us um, was this massive wave. And it was this uh, sort of wall of water. And at the top of this water was this like rippling of the wave as though it was sort of about to break. And Johnny and I uh, were driving, and a bit of the wave broke, and it gushed us into the center of the city. And, uh, and, and in my dream, it, it was pretty scary, and I remember sort of saying, Jesus, 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 as the wave sort of took us down into the city. Anyway, and then Johnny and I were in, our, in a car with all our family, and we were driving, and there was this sense of um, wanting to get out. <laughs> and so we were trying to find um, different routes. So we were driving, trying to go up this road, and then we were up this road, and it was like, how do we get out of this? Because it was, a, it was you know, fairly intimidating, this, this sense of water that was about to sort of overtake us. And as Johnny and I were uh, driving up uh, one particular road, I felt very clearly in my sleep that sort of woke me up. <clears throat> and the, and the, uh, the voice um, said very clearly, you've got to stay put. Don't run, stay 
put. And, um, and I sort of woke up um, that next morning, and I was sort of telling Johnny, and I was praying through it. And even as we sort of begin to talk about this next season, there was just a very strong sense that God was saying, there's no, you're not going to find your way out of this. There's no um, strategy. There's no plans that you can make in your own strength. But this is a move um, of God. Um, and actually, it's our job as the church to stay put, to not run, to not hide, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, um, and actually, it's a, in some ways, it's, a, it's a, a preparation as we sort of, all we can do is wait. Um, and uh, interestingly, as I uh, came back to uh, Nottingham, um, someone sent us um, the same word. In fact, it's come, like in the space of two days, the same word has come twice, more, t- uh, two more times, um, which is incredibly encouraging because... I'm always like, oh, Lord, is this you? Is it not? But it felt like this is really a word um, from the Lord. And so someone else uh, wrote this as well. It says, in prayer on Saturday morning, I asked the Lord, what kind of wave is this? This is his own vision. Not, he hadn't heard from me. This is what I felt like the Lord was saying. For there is a wave coming. When waves hit the beach, it brings cleansing. This will not be just one wave. For yes, there will be a big wave followed by continuous waves. These waves will clean and sanctify my church. Just as the sand on the seashore is cleaned by the continuous waves, so this is, is what is coming. And the key is to stand and face those waves. Do not run from them for standing and letting. Do not run from them what, uh, for uh, letting the waves wash over you is what will accomplish the clean church. Do not face the wrong way, for we know that looking back at what the world has to offer will turn us bitter, just as it turned Lot's wife to salt. But you look out to my kingdom and my righteousness. And so even as we, you know, sort of begin to sort of tell you even our priorities and what we really feel like God is wanting to really sort of prioritize for us in this season, it comes with a humble heart uh, because in some ways there is no vision that isn't Jesus. You know, there is... Even with the, the, the wave around us, it's, it's God's work, you know, it's, it's, it's on him, it's his move. And we don't, have, we don't have a sort of a great, you know, it's like we don't come with this sort of polished strategy because the strategy is keep focused on Jesus. Um, but what we do feel is that there is a, there's a posture in the waiting, in the humility, as we come and we say, God, we're trusting in you. We're trusting in your work, your power, your move, and we are depending upon you. That's the posture. And as we sort of take that posture, there are just some things that we can do in that waiting. So that's kind of what we wanted to offer to you as the church, as Trinity, as we sort of pursue this next. And our first one, why don't you just carry on, love? You carry on. Oh, okay. Our first posture, the first thing that we just feel God leading us into um, is, is really simply devotion. Naomi, why don't you speak into that? Yep. Yes. Um, yeah, really simply, um, devotion. We have felt 
uh, not just sort of in the last few months, but for a while that God was um, really leading us into greater devotion. You know, we, we spoke a long time ago what it looks like to, um, to fall in love with Him again as our first love. And I think we've heard numerous stories, um, even of this particular season, of um, just the ways in which God has certainly in my life um, just revealed to me um, all the other loves in my life. You know, when things are stripped back, it's, um, it's things are exposed, aren't they? You know, other things that I'm putting my time and energy in that aren't God. And I do think that there is a um, yeah, the work in our devotion. We want to be a devoted church. We want to be a single-minded church, a church that loves Jesus before anything else. Um, and I think he's calling us into that um, as a church. Into, into greater devotion. And, uh, and I think, again, we spoke about um, the, the, the picture of, um, of devotion is the woman who comes and pours uh, perfume over Jesus' feet. You know, and the, that being a sort of a picture of complete and utter freedom, that she is giving her all, surrendering her everything to Jesus. Um, and that's, again, what we feel God is calling us um, into as a church. And we were talking about this a little bit in our staff team. And, you know, when there's, a, when there's a stripping and when there's a cleansing and when we're confronted by our idols and all the other things that we're loving and all the other things that we think are important, it's not fun, is it? You know, we kind of do want to run away. You know, when, there's, when, it, when it feels painful, we do want to sort of say, oh, I'm not going to face that right now. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to shoot off in this direction. But I do feel like there's a, there's a time. It, the time is to to ask the question, this has been my prayer, search me, oh God, search me and find anything, anything in me that doesn't reflect your beauty, your purity, your, you know, it's like, that's the prayer, I think, as a church that we need to start praying. It's not other people's fault. It's, you know, we can't go around blaming everything else for everybody else for what's going on in us, but we can ask God, search me, search me, help me, help me find what's in me for me to deal with. And one of the things that came up um, in the staff meeting was someone had this image of, um, of uh, putting um, sanitizer on the hands. And as you're putting sanitizer on your hands, you're being, um, it's cleaning your hands. And this particular person had a cut on their hand. Um, and the sanitizer was going into the cut. Um, and, he, and he was saying it was really painful. You know, it's really painful. And I think that might be even a message to some of us that actually as we allow God to cleanse us, as we allow God to reveal these things to us, as we grow in greater devotion, it can actually be quite painful as some of it is going into some of the uh, more difficult and challenging areas of our lives. Yeah, so devotion is the action point, if you like, if you're that way inclined, is lean into that. Follow God in that. Devotion is not passive. It's active. It is something that we partner with God in. And um, isn't that, he's always wanted a devoted people. As Amy was speaking, I was reminded of uh, the uh, letter to the church in Revelation, the letter to the church in Ephesus, where, where Jesus stands before the church and, and commends them, commends them for three different things. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work. In other words, he likes their work. Secondly, he likes their doctrine. He says they've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. Excellent. Work. Tick. Doctrine. Tick. He then says, you've persevered and have endured hardships. In other words, your character is also in place. And we're thinking, amazing. It's all there. And then he says, yet this I hold against you. 
You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. What God wants, what Jesus is wanting in his church is devotion. And it is time for us to pursue deeper devotion like never before. The second thing, that's our first priority. That will always be our first priority. When we stop having that as our first priority here, please let us know we've lost our anchor. Secondly, uh, we, believe, we just want to lean into connection. And this won't take so long, but it's just been so encouraging for us to see in this last period of time, really since early this year, uh, that people have joined hubs, people have lent into and stepped into church family like never before. And we now have, uh, depending on how you measure it and when you measure it, upwards of 75% of people in our congregation in hubs. That's really, really exciting because what this church has always aspired to be and hoped to be is a, is a family. And as we've grown, we've had to organize that family differently. But to have a real meaningful sense of connection and family has always been our deepest desire and aspiration to connect people with God and to connect people with one another. And we're going to continue to move in that direction. We want to see hubs becoming and continually being local families of faith. This last week, uh, we had our hub leaders gathered and some future hub leaders. It was amazing just to hear stories shared of um, incredible family ministry uh, going on. Uh, We heard stories, didn't we, Amy, of um, new people joining. We heard stories of people coming to faith Uh, We've seen new leaders raised up. We've seen incredible pastoral care taking place. We've seen prayer for the sick. We've seen ministry to the dying. We have seen meals being cooked and delivered to people uh, who had uh, need of it. And uh, I just want to say, if this doesn't sound like your hub yet, raise your game. I'm not just speaking to hub leaders. I'm talking to hub members. Like, bring your A game to your hub. We want to see this, this kind of community in our church. Don't wait for somebody else to facilitate it. Bring it. Bring your A game. If you don't feel connected yet at this church, we have hubs. They are for your connection. Don't email us in months to come and say, hey, I haven't found connection. You know, don't, if you haven't told us that, if you haven't made the move into that, there's not much we can do. We want this to be a place where everybody can have somebody. All we can do is facilitate that. We want to continue to do that. Please, if we can help connect you, let us know. We really want this to be a place where people are meaningfully connected. So devotion, connection, and finally, my duck, compassion. From, uh, from the first it's so, this is so weird. I mean, there's a physical distance. We're, we're used to sort of spitting all over you from the front of the stage, and we can't obviously do that for many reasons. It was always uncouth and rude, and now it's uh, very unpopular and illegal. But it feels like there's a physical distance between us, which is so difficult because we're communicating from our heart, and when you're wearing masks, it's so hard, and when you're behind a camera, it's so hard to feel that connection. But From the first, our heart has always been to be a people of compassion. And I think the vision that many people have had of water pouring out of these doors into the city wasn't just a a movement of the spirit in some kind of 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 spiritual thing. It was, I think it was the tears of the church. It was the compassion of the church and of Christ for the city. And what COVID has given us as a church is is an opportunity like never before to step into that. 
And we've done that. This place, for those that don't know, became a pop-up food bank. It was full of dried foods and nappies and all sorts of things. Uh, and we served the city like never before uh, in the first, in the lockdown period of the pandemic. You gave £6,000 specifically to love your neighbor. And with that and some other giving and grants that we received, we were able to spend around £18,000 on serving our city, specifically in feeding them. We fed over 150 different people regularly in 42 different family groups. And uh, we've also given over 90 craft uh, children's packs to vulnerable children through our partnership with Safe Families. It's amazing. We're now continuing to provide food uh, through, uh, to some of those same families as we refer them to other food banks uh, which we're partnered with in the city. And we go on doing that work. We've been delighted, in short, we've been delighted to see this place becoming a house, a place of compassion. But our vision was never just to have a place of compassion. Our vision has always been, in fact, our primary vision isn't a place of compassion or a program of compassion or partnerships of compassion, but to build people of compassion. When the church outsources compassion to programs, it misses its fundamental vocation, which is to be people, people, people of compassion. That's always been our goal. Yeah, we, um, Johnny and I, during uh, the lockdown time, I was, I've said this to a few, but walking around, um, you know, sort of the city and sort of praying and contending, you know, for God to break into, you know, the, these vulnerable uh, places that we are seeing, you know, Lord, come on, you know, break into these families, come on, break in, break in. And um, I just really uh, clearly felt God say to me, you're the breakthrough. The church is my breakthrough. Um, and again, that's sort of, you know, preaching to the choir here. I know that you know that, but it was such a great, um, sort of wake up call in that sense to, to what Johnny's saying that we want to be uh, the church of compassion, the people of compassion. And, um, and I know that so many of you are already doing wonderful things in obscurity, in secret. You are serving your communities, you're serving your streets, you're building relationships, you're feeding. You're, I know that. And we have heard incredible stories of that. We heard Lauren and Joanne um, just on Wednesday night prayer, just sharing the ways in which they're just sort of getting on with their normal lives, but with their eyes open, you know, Lord, where are you moving? What can I do? How can I serve people? How can I love people? How can I be kind in this moment? You know, it's simply being those people of compassion with the eyes of God um, wherever we are going. And so, and so we firstly want to hear those stories. So we'd love it if you would just continue to tell us, to email in. We'd love to just um, sort of say them even just out loud a little bit, just to encourage um, each other in how we can sort of live in our day-to-day -day lives um, in that way. Because it sometimes can feel quite daunting, yet when we hear just sort of simplistic way of living life you know, sort of kindly, and then seeing what God sort of unfolds as you go on your day. It's just really encouraging to hear those stories. And so, but also sort of as well, we are going to be partnering with um, local charities um, within our city. And this is um, a way in which we are going to help resource us as a community to also come alongside the most vulnerable people in our city. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like in practice over the next um, few weeks. Um, so we're really excited about that. Yeah. Just as we close and... Uh 
uh, worship band prepare uh, to join us as we close our service in just a couple of moments. I just reminded of one more scripture as Amy was speaking, and that's from 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, Paul says, three times, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That is the thorn in his flesh, his physical, probably, or possibly manifestation of weakness in his life. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What we've shared is a vision of God's power being poured out. What we're experiencing, now I speak personally now, is weakness like never before. We've always believed and hoped that God would move powerfully. I just didn't know that we'd have to look and feel so weak in order to see it. And I guess I just want to say to you, as we move into a phase, a season of devotion and connection and compassion, expect it to feel like weakness. Devotion comes often from the weakest people. It is, isn't it the widow who offers her coin in the temple? Isn't it the woman the, uh, the, with the alabaster jar uh, who scandalizes the group of people by offering that devotion? Isn't it often the people, Brené Brown say, uh, say that connection often comes through vulnerability? John Wimber said that intimacy comes through self-disclosure. It's as we're willing to be weak before one another that we're able to be connected. Isn't it as we humbly admit to God our need of him that we're connected to him in fresh ways? Yeah. And isn't weakness also the, uh, the ground, if you like, of compassion? I just want to say that. I want to say I'm expecting us to be weaker than ever in this next season so that his power may be made perfect through us. It is to him, Jesus Christ, that we offer our devotion. It is through him that we find connection to God and to one another. And it is from him that we're resourced with compassion for our city. Our vision, see the church on fire, the city alive, is a vision of Jesus It's a simple vision of Jesus, and intimidating as it may be, we're going to wait here with him until the wave breaks. Amen.